Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. There have been hundreds, if not thousands of reports of paranormal activity on the Queen Mary. From poltergeist activity, to ghost sightings, to a possible demonic presence, it's no wonder why this ocean liner turned floating hotel is regarded as one of the most haunted places in the world, with possibly the most haunted hotel room. Join us as we dive into the history of the Queen Mary and its hauntings. This episode features a special guest, Brent Thomas from the Paranormal Portal. This is episode number 77 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Grey Ghost, The RMS Queen Mary, Long Beach, California. Alice and Merle were patiently waiting in line at the ramp to the Queen Mary. Merle was a history buff and was excited to experience the boat firsthand after reading so much about it. He was in the process of explaining the boat's history to his wife Alice when he realized that she seemed not to be listening. It was used in World War II to transport POWs, he said as he stared at the side of her uninterested face. Uh Uh-huh, she responded distantly. Then a UFO descended from the clouds and spun the ship around 180 degrees. It was two weeks before they realized that they had been traveling in the wrong direction, he added. "Uh Uh-huh, she said with the same amount of enthusiasm. Are you even listening to me? Merle asked dejectedly. Alice didn't respond. She was looking at a girl in the front of the line who was telling a story that she found significantly more interesting than whatever her husband was going on about. The black-haired girl with a lip ring was talking about a crewman in 1966 named John Petter. On July 10th, 1966, the Queen Mary was at sea when the weather turned foul. During bouts of bad weather, it was protocol to seal the watertight doors. John's crewmates recalled after the fact that they were playing a game of chicken, as they usually did. They would run and try to jump through the doorway as they closed. Whoever jumped through the closest to when the door shut 
would be declared the winner. As John jumped through door 13, it closed shut on him, virtually cutting him in half. The girl with the lip ring explained that John's ghost still haunts the area surrounding door number 13. Ooh, Merle said, wiggling his fingers in Alice's face. Alice brushed him away, telling him to knock it off. As the line began to move up the ramp, Merle called out to the sky, Hey John, if you're haunting this ship, feel free to join us on the tour. He looked over at Alice with a big grin on his face, but Alice just rolled her eyes as they boarded the ship. The two declined the guided tour, opting instead to explore the boat at their own pace. As they were heading to the battle bridge, Alice got a weird feeling in the pit of her stomach. I don't feel so good, she told Merle, who was a pace or two behind her. She didn't want to tell him that she had the feeling that somebody was watching them for fear of him teasing her, but she couldn't deny her intuition. That's when she heard the sound of someone running up the metal walkway behind them. She quickly turned to the side, hugging the rail to her left to let by whoever was in such a hurry. She felt the air move as if someone were hurrying by, but nobody passed her. Alice gasped in shock. She turned to face Merle, who just stood there with a blank look on his face. Alice shrieked. What? Merle asked, startled. Alice pointed at him. Merle's face was covered in black fingerprints. He wiped his face and looked at his hand. Looks like engine grease, he exclaimed, shocked. He looked at Alice, and his face went pale. Your face too, he said. Alice went to wipe her face, and that's when she noticed the number on the doorway that they were standing in. Door number 13. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Queen Mary. Construction on Hull Number 534 began in December of 1930 by the John Brown and Company Shipyard at Clydebank in Scotland. Work was briefly halted on the ship a year later due to the Great Depression, but would continue after a loan was secured from the British government. Three and a half years later, and $3.5 million later, the ship was completed. Legend has it, the name of the luxurious ocean liner was supposed to be Queen Victoria, but there was some confusion. When Cunard directors went to King George to seek his blessing of the ship's name, they informed him that they planned to name the new ocean liner after England's greatest queen, meaning Queen Victoria, who was King George's grandmother. However, upon hearing this news, King George replied, quote, My wife will be delighted that you are naming the ship after her. So to avoid an awkward conversation, Queen Mary it was. There was already a Clyde turbine steamer named the T.S. Queen Mary so Cunard made an agreement with its owners to have the older ship renamed the Queen Mary II. The RMS Queen Mary was the flagship of the Cunard line. She was launched in 1934 and made her maiden voyage on May 27, 1936. The Queen Mary was one of the most luxurious and fastest ocean liners of her time and was designed to compete with the rival ocean liner, the SS Normandy. It was the crown jewel of transatlantic ocean liners. It's over 1,000 feet long, measuring in at over 80,000 gross register tons. The ship featured two indoor swimming pools, 
a grand ballroom, children's nurseries, beauty salons, libraries, a music studio and lecture hall, tennis courts, and dog kennels. The largest room was the cabin-class main dining room, which was three stories high. It was the first ocean liner to have its own Jewish prayer room, which was a part of the British anti-Semitism policy and a bit of a middle finger to Nazi Germany. She sailed at high speed for most of her maiden voyage, arriving in New York Harbor on June 1, 1936. For the next three years, the Queen Mary was the grandest ocean liner in the world, carrying celebrities such as Bob Hope, Clark Gable, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, and even our old friend Winston Churchill. She set a new speed record which wouldn't be topped for the next 14 years. But when the Queen Mary docked in New York in September 1939, that would be the last time she would carry civilian passengers for several years. With the breakout of World War II, the Queen Mary would begin transformation into a troop transport vessel. She was painted gray and stripped of her luxurious amenities, being replaced with bunks and mess halls to accommodate the soldiers. The Queen Mary was dubbed the Grey Ghost due to her stealth, speed, and color. She was able to travel faster than enemy U-boats, so she was a relatively safe transport for troops. The ship was also used to transport prisoners of war who were stored in the cargo hold. Many POWs did not survive the extreme heat in this area, which would reach temperatures upwards of 110 degrees due to its vicinity to the boiler rooms as well as a lack of ventilation and any sort of air conditioning. In total, the ship transported over 800,000 troops during World War II. On the morning of October 2nd, 1942, the Queen Mary was carrying around 10,000 American troops of the 29th Infantry Division, just north of Ireland. The liner was steaming its usual zigzag pattern at a speed of 28.5 knots, which is about 33 miles per hour. The reason for the zigzag pattern was to evade enemy submarine and aerial attacks. On this voyage, the Queen Mary was being escorted by another ship, the Carasoa. This ship was not as fast as the Queen Mary, with a top speed of 25 knots, so their route was more of a straightaway shot to keep pace. Each captain had their own interpretations of the rule of the road, believing that his ship had the right of way. Captain John Wilfred Beltwood of the Curacao kept the liner's mean course to maximize his ability to defend both of them from enemy aircraft while Commodore Sir Cyril Gordon Illingworth of the Queen Mary continued with their zigzag pattern, expecting the escort cruiser to stay out of their way. They did not. At 1332, the distance between the two ships was closing in. They nearly collided, and Illingworth told his officer to continue on zigzagging. Quote, These chaps are used to escorting. They will keep out of our way and won't interfere with you. At 14.04, with about 400 yards between the two boats, the Queen Mary started a starburn turn from a position slightly behind the Curacao. Beltwood attempted to get out of their way, but it was too late. The Queen Mary struck Curacao at full speed, cutting the cruiser in half. Half of the ship sank immediately, while the rest of the ship stayed on the surface for a few minutes. The Queen Mary was under direct orders not to stop for any reason even as hundreds of men were drowning and being pulled into her propellers. The Queen Mary did not stop, but radioed other destroyers of her escort, who were about seven nautical miles away. Hours later, two ships arrived and rescued around 100 survivors, including Beltwood. According to the Navy casualty file released by the United Kingdom National Archives, in total, 337 officers and men of the crew died in the accident. 
Witnesses were sworn to secrecy due to national security concerns, and the loss was not publicly reported until after the war ended. The case went to court in 1945, and the Queen Mary's crew and her owners were exonerated from blame on January 21, 1947. All of the fault fell on the Curacao's officers. After the war, the ship returned to the Queen Mary status, once again transporting passengers across the Atlantic. But as air travel increased in popularity, business on the ocean liner decreased, and the ship was sold to the highest bidder, landing in Long Beach, California in 1965, where she would dock permanently. While in service as a cruise ship, roughly 50 passengers and crew died on board the Queen Mary from various causes, ranging from heart failure to illness, accidental deaths, and suicide. In 1936, Sir Edgar Britton, the first captain of the Queen Mary, died in his cabin due to a stroke. In 1939, William Stark poisoned himself to death accidentally. We'll get more into that story in a bit. It's unclear how many POWs died in the cargo hold, as these numbers aren't recorded in the captain's log. But with hundreds of thousands of troops and POWs traveling on board the Queen Mary during World War II, the number of deaths on board during this time is estimated in the hundreds. It has now gained a reputation as a paranormal hotspot. One well-known story is of a young girl named Jackie, who is said to have drowned in the ship's second-class pool. Some visitors claim to have seen her ghostly figure wandering the decks or playing in the pool, and others report hearing the sound of child's laughter or footsteps running around the area. Jack and Kelly Osborne investigated the pool area, and during the spirit box session, when Jack asked if anyone was with them, a clear voice came through and said, I am followed by the same voice telling them to get out. The ghost of a woman in a red dress has also been spotted by the pool by multiple visitors as well as employees. She was seen walking by the pool before vanishing. It was impossible for this to be an actual person since there is only one staircase that leads out of that pool area and she never went up those stairs. She simply disappeared. The pool had been drained for over 26 years, but on several occasions, visitors have seen wet footprints appear on the floor. Now just to be clear, there's no record of anyone drowning in the Queen Mary's pools, so it's hard to say why the ghost of Jackie haunts this area, or why she appears by the pool so frequently. In June of 2016, a security officer was doing her rounds, when she noticed that a room that was supposed to be shut and locked had the door wide open. When she went to lock the door, she noticed a little girl standing inside. As she approached her to see if she was lost, the little girl raised her arms as if she wanted to be picked up. As the security officer approached her, the girl vanished. This isn't the only time that this little girl has been spotted. It's believed that this might be the ghost of Jackie, who is most frequently seen in the pool area, dancing, giggling, singing, and sometimes she is heard crying. On deck four, the ghost of a former captain appears in the ladies' room of all places. While this sounds like an odd place for a male ghost to appear, when the ship was refurbished and turned into a hotel, they actually switched the men's room to the ladies' room and the ladies' room to the men's room. It's believed that this could be the ghost of senior second officer William Eric Stark, who passed away on the Queen Mary in 1949 after drinking dry cleaning fluid accidentally. Apparently, this tetrachloride was stored in an old gin bottle, and he gulped it down, not realizing what it was. In all fairness, I also have a hard time distinguishing the smell of gin from toxic chemicals, so I can see how this could be true. Anyways, he died three days later. In January of 2017, a former crew member stepped into the elevator and saw a reflection in the door. She saw the image of a woman 
in a long white gown standing directly behind her. When she turned around, there was nobody there. This was the second crew member to see this ghostly woman in the elevator. Staff at the Queen Mary referred to her as, you guessed it, the woman in white. In August of 2012, a staff member saw a man dressed in black climbing a staircase. This incident didn't seem anything out of the ordinary until the man reached the top of the staircase and vanished. He frantically went to his supervisor and reported on what he had just witnessed. His supervisor told him that what he saw was one of the more commonly spotted ghosts on board, the man in black. The staircase that he appears on is one of the more steep staircases on the ship and has claimed the lives of at least two passengers. The staircase is located by the bow of the ship, and on days where the waters were particularly rough, that area would move up and down, causing some unfortunate souls to lose their footing, which was sometimes fatal. It's believed that the man in black was one of those passengers who lost their lives on that staircase, and his ghost has been seen more than 24 times. The bow of the ship is believed to be one of the more haunted areas. It's said that in the boiler room, you can still hear the disembodied screams of the soldiers from the Carasoa who died on impact around this spot on the ship. Room B340 has had hundreds of reports of varying paranormal activity. The room has a checkered past. According to staff, while the ship was making a transatlantic voyage, at least one man was found dead in the room. There was so much strange and unexplained poltergeist activity following his death that they apparently sealed off the room in the 1980s. Recently, room B340 has turned into a hotel suite and is back open to the public. Hundreds of hauntings have been recorded in a log kept by the ship where visitors write down the paranormal activity that they experienced in this room. One guest claimed to have the bed sheets pulled off of her in the middle of the night. She sat up and saw a man standing at the foot of her bed before disappearing into the shadows. When she turned on the lights, Nobody was in the room with her. The bathroom door has closed by itself. There have been bumps, footsteps, and disembodied voices that are heard all throughout the night, but most activity peaks at 3 a.m. The water in the bathroom turns on and off. Lights turn on and off, but when maintenance is called, they can't seem to find anything wrong with the wiring or plumbing. They just chalk it up to yet another haunting in room B340. Sam and Colby stayed in this room for an overnight paranormal investigation, and with little to no luck during the night, they all agreed to pack it up and leave. Just as they were getting ready to go, they all witnessed the faucet turning on by itself in the bathroom. Aaron, a member of their crew, grabbed a voice recorder and started recording. They immediately started hearing pounding on the walls, followed by a series of knocks that seemed to come in threes in response to their questions. These knocks would be heard from different parts of the room every time. The walls, the ceiling, the windows, the bathroom, and the floor would shake as if a heavy metal door was slamming beneath them. At the end of their session, they asked whatever was in the room with them, quote, is heaven real? And three knocks followed. They ended the EVP session at that point and left, feeling that they might have been dealing with something demonic. Demonic entities will try to convince you that there is no heaven. They also captured an EVP of what sounded like someone humming inside the room. A housekeeper at the Queen Mary claimed that one morning she came into the room to put fresh sheets on the bed. She was alone at the time. She turned around and went back into the hall to get fresh towels. When she returned, all of the sheets had been pulled from the bed and laid in a pile on the floor. Another man claims that he woke up and saw the figure of a man sitting in the chair in the corner of the room. 
he felt that whatever this entity was wanted to watch him sleep. So why is room B340 in particular the height of so much paranormal activity on board the ship? Some say it's the ghost of the man who supposedly died there. Others believe that hundreds of ghosts pass through this room because it's so close to the first-class swimming pool where psychics claim that there is a vortex or portal located which allows spirits to pass from one dimension to the next. 75 feet in the opposite direction is the cargo hold where scores of German prisoners died from heat exhaustion. There was no air conditioning in this area at the time and the ship was designed to carry around 3,000 passengers. Upwards of 10,000 men would be on board the Queen Mary in its days as a troop transport vessel during World War II. So it's unclear why B340 is so haunted or what that source is, but there have been hundreds of reports of paranormal activity within this room. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, the RMS Queen Mary. What's going on, folks? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 77. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and today we're talking about the haunted Queen Mary, a.k.a. the Grey Ghost. What's going on, Rob? Well, I'm excited because, Dave, do I have something for you? I have a bottle of gin for you to try if you're uh, so inclined. <laughs> I think I'll pass. I think I'll pass. We are also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. What's going on? Not a big gin guy. No, Not I never have. And I wasn't joking. Like Andrew, Captain McSlugs, usually has gin inside of a globe that opens up because, of course, he does. And uh, I don't know. Every time I, I smell it, I'm like, this just smells like chemicals that aren't supposed to enter your body. So I can see how that mistake could happen, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So we're talking about like pine salt. Yeah, not not my favorite. Not my favorite. I'll stick to my whiskey and definitely not Miller Lights. Uh, today we are joined by a special guest. He's from the Paranormal Portal, and his name is Brent Thomas, and he joins us on the show. Welcome in, Brent. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, man. I'm honored to be here with you. Oh, thank you oh, for joining us. Gentlemen. It actually works out perfectly. This wasn't planned, but the Queen Mary is known to have a bunch of portals, so having you from Paranormal Portal on <laughs> just kind of worked out perfectly. Yeah, that's that is true. Uh, you know, I, I think I think portals are a pretty interesting topic, but it's 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 one that's hard to get your head around. Um, I just saw in chat somebody's like, "When the ship moves, does the portal move?" And it's like, "Well, that's a great question." So yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Not that I'm a portal expert by any measure. I just like the name, but but uh, <laughs> hopefully I can have some good input tonight. Damn, I had so many questions about portals. <laughs> <laughs> Confusing. You often forgive me, guys. I feel like I'm talking with a grapefruit in my cheek. I went to the dentist today, so I even got a water with a straw in it, so I don't dribble like a toddler here. So <laughs> we need to actually save that when we go out. <laughs> <laughs> if you could uh, remove that straw, actually, if we could just watch you drool all over yourself, that would be uh, that'd be actually pretty good. Pretty good for the I, stream. If I gave you this gin with a straw, would you drink it? You know, I've never been a gin drinker anyway. It just the the whole pine tree thing is. I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. I'm more of a, you know, a bourbon guy or, or a spiced rum, 
I guess, or just a beer. So same. Yeah, sounds like we're uh, right up the same alley there. I want to say what's up to everybody who's hanging out in live chat. We appreciate you guys for swinging by. We've got a couple of donations during the countdown. One from a rare IPA that you've never heard of, and I believe it was Matthew T. who also dropped $2. So thank you guys so much for those donations. We appreciate you. And welcome into everyone who's hanging out. I see Irish Assassin, Rachel B. The other Rachel B. is here. That's an absolute delight. Which one was first on Patreon? Because Rachel B. Yeah, but they're both Rachel B. <laughs> yeah, hard to be wrong. You're not wrong. I don't at all. We're correct. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel B, for being around for so long. We appreciate it. And uh, Papa Squatch, everybody else is hanging out. I see Anna. Yeah, Andrew, everybody. So thank you guys for uh, for joining. If you want to join in the live on the live chat, which is on fire already today, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is when we go live every week on YouTube, and then obviously get your podcast after the fact. But thank you guys so much. I feel as though saying Tuesday is a very important distinction when you're saying when we go live. Also, before we start, I just I want to do a golf clap since I don't want to like ruin people's eardrums. Good job, Jesse. I thought 20 minutes of this episode was going to be you just telling us how a steam engine works in a ship. And I was ready for it, but I'm I'm very excited that we didn't have to sit through that. Well, here's the thing. And first of all, thank you, Demon King, for dropping $6.66 in Super Chat. A little 666 from Demon King. Very appropriate. I mean, as a nuclear physicist, mm. I don't want work to feel like work, you know? I want to yeah. take a day off every once in a while. So yeah, to, uh, take some time off there. Thanks now, that, that video was beautiful. Nice job, man. I was really <laughs> impressed. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. So it was, uh, it was a good one. It was a little last minute. I'd, this one was tricky. It is tricky because there are a lot of these ghost stories that are completely made up. And I could say that confidently because I believe for a short period of time, Disney owned this ship. I think they had plans to refurbish and do this. And I'm pretty sure if my source is correct, that Disney just straight up made up a few of these ghost stories. So it's really hard to figure out which ones are accurate and which ones are tied to actual hauntings. Now there's a captain's log on the ship that actually records all of the deaths that happened when it was acting as basically a cruise ship. And so with those, you get the one where the guy drank the gin or thought he was drinking the gin. <laughs> you get a, a few of the other ones that we talked about, but you don't get anything of anybody drowning in any of the pools, which by the way, if you drown in a pool, on a cruise ship isn't that a weird way to die like you're on a vessel that is floating and you still managed to it drown sucks to, it sucks to drown in the boat i mean it sucks to drown anyways matthew thomas coming through with 999 super chat he says suck it demon king rob will wind jesse up at, uh for act two and we will go on for another 20 minutes right. <laughs> oh, <let's go. laughs> so I, I, not a lot of shows or podcasts really talk about the whole Disney aspect of it and the made up ghost stories aspect of it. So it's tricky to figure out which ones were actually from Disney and if they did come up with them, but there was a pretty reliable source that had said basically this one, this one, this one is completely made up by Disney. So it's interesting. You can look into it if you, if you choose to do so, but most of the ones that we talked about on the show and a few of them that we actually didn't have time to mention in the podcast, uh, we're going to, I mean, in the uh, pre-recorded part there, we're going to talk about after the fact, because there's some, there's some good ones and some, some crazy ones. It's interesting to make up all these ghost stories. And when you have so many events that actually happened on the ship, like we've had this on a couple other locations where there's so much like actual history here 
why are we adding to it when it's when you can just focus and that's kind of almost a problem with this one is there's so much that it becomes almost scatterbrained right where you're like and, and all of their ghosts are color coded they have the woman in white they have the lady in the red bathing suit they have the man in black it's like okay we're playing a game of freaking clue here on the on the <laughs> ship or something what is going on why is everything color coded why don't we just stick with what is actually transpired on this particular ship that's true i mean just the accident in world war ii is a tragic enough yeah. story to do it now i don't really know i mean they say that you can still hear the screams of the soldiers down near like the propeller mm -hmm. which i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it hit the front of the boat but well, i thought they said so the bow in the video i thought you said the bow didn't you yeah and then yeah i thought so sorry he, he did now i'm a nuclear physicist i'm not a sailor is the bow the front or the back of the ship <laughs> the front the front okay yeah so it it hit it did collide like head on basically and T-boned it, if you will, and that was uh, what split it. But after the ship passed, what had happened was the current apparently sucked a lot of these soldiers that were in the water directly into the propellers behind the ship. Okay. So as if your day wasn't rough enough when you got your ship split in two, that's how a lot of them went. A lot of them died from hypothermia just sitting there in the water, and then a lot of them drowned. So those were the main ways that they went. But they do say that the propeller area is haunted, and I believe that the front of the ship is also haunted if you go down below deck towards the uh, boiler rooms and stuff. So apparently you can still hear the screams of passengers uh, or the victims of this accident in those areas, which is pretty wild. I find it interesting, too. You were mentioning a lot of the stories are made up, uh, or some, several of the stories are made up, and, and this is kind of a, a side bar, if you will, but... Um, I think that there's something to when people believe something is real. And, and I don't know if it's a projection of themselves that creates an event or something, but it's like believing in an event does seem to create anomalies at some point, whether or not they have a, a, a an identity of their own, or if it's some form of like tulpa or something like that. And, and that's a, that's a weird thing too. But um, anyway, sorry. No, you're right. It, it, it's, it happens actually in, in more cases that you might think of where kind of if enough people believe something's true, then it just kind of becomes a thing. And I don't know how much this can actually conjure up like ghosts or anything like that. But with a ship that, that, that's this noisy and a lot of the investigations that I was watching on YouTube and on these paranormal shows, it's so hard, especially when you're in like a boiler room or the engine room or whatever, to differentiate noises that would just be happening in a noisy room anyways like this is a, a room where engines are running you're going to hear clanking you're going to hear banging you're going to hear pops and and everything so it's it's how do you know that of course you heard well, maybe if you if you're working in an engine room every single day and you know what that engine sounds like you would be able to distinguish a sound that is out of place i would imagine right so for the employees and i always take the employees words for these things a lot more seriously than i would take just a random visitor if so if some random visitor walks into a, a boiler room and hears a clank oh my god i heard i heard a bang like yeah of course you did it's a it's a noisy room we do have to address this because demon king and matthew thomas are going nuts right now back and forth with the donations Whoa. the battle is raging over here demon king with 13 13 matthew thomas comes back with 13 14 <laughs> and then demon king fires back with 13 15 you guys it's a it's a long show you can 
you guys can can put that on the back burner for now. <laughs> Thank you so much for the donations. We do always appreciate the most expensive battle of all time. <laughs> so thank you so much. But um, what I do find interesting, now I don't discount all of these bangs and knocks inside of these rooms as not being paranormal because in a few instances, you do get ones that kind of get it on command or in response to their questions. So they'll say knock once for yes, knock several times for no. And you're getting what seems like intelligent responses. And then when they're not asking anything, you're not getting anything in terms of noises. And we dealt with this at the Houghton mansion with Dave inside the Masonic temple where Dave was asking questions and he would get knocks and then he would stop talking and he would get nothing. So, so that's kind of the boiler room and that's what they get down there. They've also caught some chilling EVPs and Brent, you were mentioning this earlier is some of the EVPs that you've heard out of these. And there are some good ones and they're ones that are available on the website. Obviously the Queen Mary embraces its haunted uh, history and the, the notoriety that it gets out of being a very haunted place, which is better than the alternative. Mm. I agree. I agree. I understand some like classier hotels, expensive hotels that don't really want to do that. But I mean, this is a tourist attraction and I, I fully understand why they would do it. Yeah. For sure. And it's just, it's, it's good that they do. But again, some of the stories that we're going to get into, you just don't need when you have everything else. The thing with EVPs, I think that is tough too, is um, you have to wonder how many, how many of those are actually intelligent and, and, you know, being cued by something going on or how many are just like residual, just replay sounds that have, you know, for whatever reason stored and, and replayed at that moment. And that, that's that's something I was thinking a lot about as I was looking into this. It's like, I wonder how much of this is actually like the, the ghost in the stateroom, that kind of stuff, interacting with people, that seems very intelligent. But I just, I'm not sure that it all is actively spirits and maybe a good portion of it could just be these these psychic imprints or whatever, however you want to quantify what that means. Yeah, it does seem like this ship particularly has a mixture of those residual and intelligent hauntings. So trying to distinguish what's what is probably almost impossible to a degree. You also have like one of the one of the things I saw is it's reported that there's over 150 spirits and it's like, well, how do you know that? Where is that number coming from? But when you have that mass tragedy. That number could be greater. It could be less, but it could be greater. Uh, it, it's when you're when you're quantifying the number, though. I I have a little bit of an issue with that, especially when it's that high. But yeah, the, yeah, I can, the res- I can see where it's like if there's somebody that could detect these things, or somebody that is a sensitive or or a psychic or something like that, where they can pinpoint like, oh, I've felt the presence of a certain number of ghosts here today. And then I felt a certain number tomorrow or something like that. I can understand being like, wow, there's at least 20 ghosts here, right? Mm -hmm. Because they got different kind of evidence from different ones, different voices, different behaviors. But how do you land on an exact number like 150? And I've heard it's more. I've heard it's over 200. I've heard it's over 600. So it's an insane amount of paranormal activity. It's insane, like just an insane number of ghosts. But how do you get there, right? And how do you put a cap on it? Yeah, you're, you're not, not there. You're not 152. counting. There's not 153. There's 152. <laughs> I've closed the portal. There's no more coming in. We're at we're at max occupancy. No other ghosts are allowed. 
I'm sorry. You're not allowed to be a ghost at this ship. It's like the haunted, speaking of Disney, it's like the haunted mansion. They have room for a thousand guests. Then they have 999. They're waiting on one more. Is it you? So when you mentioned the haunted, haunted mansion, I was actually going to bring this up earlier because if Disney actually did buy this cruise ship and own it for a little bit, which it looks like they did for at least a, a short period of time, then I think they realized it was a bad investment because it needed so much work. If they did, I wonder if they created these ghost stories to make this like the next haunted mansion. Right. Mm. Where mm. It, where they're like, I don't care what the ghost stories are. We're going to make our own. It's going to be a walkthrough thing and it's going to be fun. So maybe that was the direction that they were going to go with it. Yeah, it could definitely have been something that they were planning on bringing to Disneyland or something like that and making some sort of attraction. But I don't know. Maybe they were planning to make a movie. Maybe it was something to do with some sort of movie that they had going on, a haunted ship. We've seen plenty of those. We watched one with our Patreon members a couple weeks ago. So um, to, just before we get away from the whole boiler room and the hauntings that are down there, I do want to mention one that we alluded to in the opening story that is actually verified by the captain's log that this actually happened, which was there was a fire. He was listed as a fireman, and he mm. was crushed to death by door 13 down, down there. It's yeah, down. I looked into this one myself also, and I saw that, that that incident actually did happen and that haunting was also a haunting that actually happened was that the couple that went in and they had the greasy fingerprints on their face when they were in door 13 area, which I thought was pretty interesting. So there was speculation on whether or not this guy was playing the chick game of chicken where they were running through and jumping through the doorway at the last second, mm. uh, or he was actually just trying to get through They said he was running around looking for his wrench and he was trying to jump through last minute to do something with his tool. So those are the Sheesh. two conflicting stories. But either way, brutal way to go. And he's allegedly uh, haunts that. that I will give out the advice that uh, not worth it for your wrench. Not <laughs> worth the risk that he took right there. That is brutal. No, and that's Definitely worth it for bragging rights in the game of chicken, though. Well, he lost, Dave. There are no bragging rights. <laughs> no, Rob, he won. No one's getting closer than that. <laughs> that's not close. That's he is the that, champion. That's of a chicken. loss. That's a loss. You. <laughs> Winning is getting close and then not falling off the cliff. <laughs> losing is no losing is being the, the one that's too scared to even get close. This man got right into the action, mm. laid it all on the line. Anyways, it's a really, really brutal way to go. Imagine that cleanup effort. That oh. would be a toughie. That would be a toughie. But I, I think that they've actually removed that door. I I would assume that they don't still go through these drills where they do the watertight doors closing. They they changed the guy's name. His name was, what was his name, Jesse? Uh, something with a P. It was his first name was J. Dot. Um, yeah, I can't remember his first, his last name. Right but now. they they like they call the ghost like Hatch Door Harry or something like that. Now it's like just call him by his name, man. Like why are we changing this dude's name posthumously? I know like it flows better. It's probably why he's haunting. He's like, that's not my name. It's not my name. Just it's, please get it right. It's not that he wants the wrench again, because that's the other thing is people say that he's looking for his wrench. Yeah. Um, apparently his, his ghost can be seen wearing white overalls. So white overalls? Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Has though have and, uh, white overalls ever been made? It might have been the uniform, like the mechanics or the firefighters uniform on this on the boat. Fair. That's fair. Um yeah, so this this is a tragic story. This haunting feels very much in line with something that could have happened on this ship because it's a tragedy. We talk about how these tragic 
events either result in, as we were talking about earlier, residual hauntings, most likely probably a residual haunting, just reliving this tragic event over and over and over again. Yeah. But maybe there is an intelligent haunting as well. To me, that one definitely sounds like a residual haunting where he's going through the motions. If mm -hmm. they see him just walking around back and forth in that area where he died, that definitely to me sounds Maybe like that's someone who's causing some of the clanking. Maybe he's banging around looking for his wrench. That's the theory, right? Is like you go down there. I've seen them, not specifically for this ghost, but rather throughout the ship. A lot, a thing they do a lot is the knocks to see if you can get the knockbacks like we were talking about earlier. So maybe he's knocking back with the wrench. Uh, Brodad verifies that white overalls do in fact exist. He said, my dad had white overalls. He wore them at the dairy that he worked at. Now we know. Thank you. Uh, Allison V asks, how tall is Dave? And the answer is not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay attention to the intro video, you can see all the videos of me and Jesse standing next to each other and you can see exactly how tall. Uh, Dave always are. takes two steps forward just for the optical yeah. illusion of being a, yeah, it's, uh, it's, taller than a toddler. It's called force perspective. Yes, yeah, taco with the important question of the day of do lobsters haunt places? They do not because they don't die. Just my belly. So let's start. Let's bring up the portals. It's actually, like I said, a great crossover with Brent because... He is from Paranormal Portal, a show that you should check out that we'll talk about in a little bit. But when I was researching this place, they think that there are portals all over this ship. And fantastic point earlier, like if the ship was moving, are the portals moving with it? We don't make the rules here, we always say. But um, one of the places I saw that they were talking about with the portal is a lot is the swimming pool area. But they think throughout the entire ship is full of portals. Now, now, portals are a tough claim because you hear that thrown a lot uh, around in, a lot in the paranormal. It's like, well, there's a portal. There's a mm -hmm. portal, you know, and, and, and honestly, I would think if there was some kind of trans-dimensional portal going on, it should be measurable. And I know people use dowsing rods and they, do, they use pendulums, but you would think that, you, you know, scientifically, and I'm not saying there aren't portals. But it's just one of those things that it's it's kind of like demons. Everything's a demon, and, and there's a portal everywhere. And you got to wonder how how do you quantify that? Um, that's the tough part. Like, if there was truly a portal from this dimension into another close by dimension or whatever, there should be some kind of particle bursts happening through there. Like a whether it's gamma rays or or something else should be happening. I mean, I'm not a physicist, but uh, it, it just seems to me well, that I'm going to show you are <laughs> relative, <laughs> yeah. we'll just, relative to the people around you. <laughs> we just give out titles, meteorologist, nuclear physicist, whatever you're covering okay. this week. But, that is interesting. You already know more than we do about portals. Where do they, where do they come from? How does a portal form? Yeah, that's the great question that some people believe they're ritualistically formed. I believe that, that we're probably living in a realm of, of, you know, these natural, maybe they're more like respiration points or crossover points than an actual, you know, gateway, but it acts as a gateway. Um, if you think about like the multiverse or if we're, if there is vibrational frequency variations between dimensional realities or something to that regard, then maybe there's a, there's a crossover points that happen and they, they, they work more as a vertex than a portal. But 
can they be ritualistically uh, created? Some people believe misusing Ouija boards can create portals. Um, and they just seem to be these rifts uh, that, that, that come into being through whatever measures, whether naturally, whether ritualistically, whether by tragic you know, event, and certainly ramming a boat and killing 150 people, I would think, if anything could, could uh, create a portal. That's probably going to be a good bet. But um, well, if there wasn't one when that accident happened, Ouija boards is not something that they banned from the ship. In fact, if you check into mm -hmm. the haunted room that we were focusing on for most of this episode, they provide you with a Ouija board, tarot <laughs> cards, and like a crystal ball. So there's one always there. So if there wasn't one before, there certainly could be one now. Why mm -hmm. it's in the swimming pool area and not in this room in particular, I don't know why. But it seems right. to be like it is centralized – the activity seems to be centralized on this room in particular to a point where they had straight up sealed it off, removed the number from the door frame and acted like it wasn't even a room for over 30 years. Wow. And then they recently had knocked down a wall and turned two rooms into one big kind of hotel suite and just embraced the paranormal. So well, the, the other interesting thing though, is that oftentimes in the paranormal um, water is referred to as a spiritual conduit. So yeah. by virtue of that being a swimming pool, could that have created this this gateway for so many decades or you know however however long? I know it went out of service at, and was drained for what twenty years they said or something like that. Yeah, twenty six years. Yeah. So uh, could could there still be some residual to that? I you know mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, there's it's, also there's also two swimming pools. It seems that a lot of these stories seem to be getting mixed with one another. Mm -hmm. There was like the first class one and the second class one. But they say that this ghost of Rachel seems to be at both of them. But in terms of the portal, I'm, I, I don't really know. And, and you also brought up the fact that it could move, right? Mm -hmm. So if the boat's moving, could it be moving? Or at least somebody over there. Amber coming in with a $20 donation says, I win. For now, you do. And thank you so much for that donation. We appreciate that. Um, and then you, you also mentioned that water could be a conduit of energy. Not only is it swimming pools, but you're also on the damn ocean. So yeah, uh, yeah. this could be a hot spot for paranormal activity for sure. Yeah. Oh, also that, so the whole portal thing, we talk about these ghosts that we have no record of them actually drowning and stuff like that. What could the portals be pulling in would be my question. Like, is it possible for other spirits to come through that portal? And is that why we see this little girl? And sometimes people, I think, just make up stories around what they see. Sure. Right? right. So if you seeing this little girl around the swimming pool or hearing her or whatever, then potentially you're making up the story that this little girl must have drowned at this swimming pool. Right. right. So that that's kind of so I wonder if portals do exist, mm -hmm. if they're capable. And I'm not saying anything demonic or anything, but sure. are other spirits capable of traveling through these portals to these locations? Well, yeah, it's it's widely believed that once a portal is there, if it's, you know, if it continues, that it would just be a doorway, you know, and coming and going and, and any variety of, of entities, not all of them human, like some other things like elementals or or something else like shadow people, etc. Um, the, the interesting thing to me is that I'll just go on the record and say it. I've said it on, on the portal many times, but I'm not a big fan of of kid spirits <laughs> and and it, it just seems 
okay, yeah, and, and I'm not trying to get at all religious here, but but I, I just believe there is there's a divine will, and, and there's a there's a, a a divine spirit that guides all of us, whatever you want to call it, however you want to identify it. But it's hard to, for me to believe that as if this divine will is good, then it would just leave these pure, gentle souls to wander. You know, like something should be there to bring them home, but it does occur to me that dark things can, you know, appear as whatever they want. And oftentimes I think spirits may choose to look like children because if it disarms people and it, and it breaks down barriers, it's like, because if you're a normal functioning adult uh, or human being, you know, even not a, not an adult, you are going to see a child and want to help. I mean, it's just almost genetically programmed into us. Yeah. And I think that dark things prey on people. And, and so with any predator there, they try to be efficient in their predation. Well, if, if you're already opening up to something saying, Oh, I want to help you. I want to help, you know, I want to take care of you. You can be here. We, we want to love you and make you part of our family. It's like, bingo, you know, and, the, and that's, and then the exorcism start or the scratches happen and, and, you know, the furniture is flipping and, you know, any number of things, not always, but it does come up. So, I mean, I'm not saying there can't be children's spirits, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one for me because I've certainly heard a lot of the stories, uh, even from people I've talked to saying, yeah, we thought it was a kid and then it wasn't. And that's when it turns sour, you know, we've had multiple stories that that is the exact case of what has happened. Yeah. And I do agree with that. The other thing I think could be a possibility is we talk about hauntings that occur with um, that occur with with these tragic events, but I also think that hauntings could be a result of of happy events, like mm. of extreme joy. Mm. So even if you pass away, say in your eighties or nineties, if there's a moment in time when you were seven years old that your extreme there was like just an extreme moment of pure happiness, yeah. like maybe you. Pool like drowning in a pool. Um, <laughs> no, but, but if you're, if your vacation, if that is just a memory that you hold, perhaps you come back haunting mm -hmm. in that form, who says what form we have to come back and haunt in. Right. So just because you see a kid spirit, I'm convinced that you could possibly come back and haunt in different iterations of your life, especially if we're talking about stuff being a residual haunting, because mm -hmm. you could because we talk about, well, we saw this person there doing the dishes and this and this. Well, that's not when they died. So that's previous to that. So how old were they when they were doing that? So, right. yes, right. I do think it could be a sign of the demonic, but I also do think it could be a sign of just sure. of going through your lifespan. What yeah. form could a child come back and haunt other than a child? If, mm -hmm. if you die as a child... You can't, you're not going to come back and haunt as an adult. You never were an adult, right? Right. Well, I think Rob's point was more of like, even if you die as an adult, if your best memory is that of a child, then maybe you go back and replay those moments. You do bring up an interesting point, Brent, which was that, you know, something so pure and innocent, if you're religious at all, which in reality, if you're believing in demons, you're believing in ghosts, there's some religion tied to all of that. I know. Chad is pretty split on this, and mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners are pretty split on this as to are there actually child ghosts or are they all just demons pretending to be kids? <laughs> so, yeah. and it right. is interesting that you bring it up because I never really thought of that where it's like if a kid dies, if there is a heaven, why are they leaving this poor little child right. to wander around a pool? You know, take him up, take care <laughs> of that kid. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe his soul is there, but his energy is left behind. I don't really know how these things work, but like we always say, we don't make the rules. And in the other consideration is what is the what if the portal is is almost a temporal uh, temporal anomaly in a sense that that and maybe the whole ship is is a part of this that and it could be a haunted house it could be anything you know anywhere that has a lot of paranormal activity there's so many times you hear these stories of people seeing people like in pilgrim clothes or old time old old fashioned clothing. And they're doing their thing and they look up and they look terrified because they see the person. So you have to wonder, is is there like a time issue going on where they're seeing us as the ghost and we're seeing them as the ghost? Mm-hmm. And, you know, is it could could it be some some of that as well? It's like a the others situation. Yes. That movie. yes. Spoiler alert. God, you just find a way to spoil a movie. Every movie is always it doesn't matter. You find a way to spoil something for people every week. You just find a, you just shoehorn in a movie spoiler. Right, so, if I were Arthur Morgan, if I got tuberculosis, at what age would I be haunting the land of Red Dead Redemption? A real inside joke. If you never played the game, I'm sorry. Anyways, moving on. Oh my God, it's it's un unbelievable. Yeah, I, your new nickname is the spoiler. That is just what we have to call you. <laughs> I think we were on a tangent there, but Matthew Thomas came in and dropped $20 and one said in Super Chat. So thank you so much, Matthew. Very cool. Yes. Yep. Do you think that the portal theory is mutually exclusive to other ghost theories, whether it be religious theory or like the stone tape theory is one that we talk about a lot? But do you think one of them sort of negates the others? Like if one's true, the other ones can't be? If you're asking me, no, I don't think that's that one supersedes or overwrites another. I think I think this this phenomena is so diverse and our understanding of the world around us is very funneled and focused into into a small part of it. But I think some of some of this stuff just seems to be breadcrumbs to show us look there's more going on here. There's so much more going on here and it creates, it it makes reality fluid. I think that we, we continually have this idea of reality as this rigid structure and, and we have to operate within this rigid structure, but then this stuff happens that's way off the map and it, and it, and it kind of rewrites your expectation of what is reality. I mean, paradigms are shattered and, and people have to, you know, come to terms with that fact. So I think, I think there is a stone tape theory. I think that's, you know, there are portals. I think, I think the universe is so dynamic and our understanding of it is, is very infinite, sorry, infant ish, (laughs) infantile maybe is the better word. There you go. Yeah, I don't, but I don't think one takes away from another or anything. I think these are just different aspects of this incredible uh, reality around us. Yeah. I do want to pull up Allison's comment, which is sad, but a very good point, which is, I think some child spirits stay behind looking for their mom and dad, which makes me really sad to think about. And I think it could be, could be accurate. I mean, man, I was watching like a, the last kingdom, the TV show. I'm not going to spoil it, Rob, calm the fuck down. (laughs) Anyways, I was watching the last kingdom and a person's daughter dies and she's so sad and really towing the line (laughs) (laughs) she but like there was it was one line that like just stuck with me and she's like i have to kill myself and like no no no, don't do it don't do it don't do it and she's like i have to because my daughter is alone now she doesn't understand this she's by herself and i was like damn that makes me sad as hell yeah 
Well, that goes yeah, back anyways, to which, which the... dies in the end. He gets tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> that goes back to the Lucy Key story, right? Where Lucy Keys is lost in the wilderness. They never find her body. And although the mother doesn't do that, the the actual haunting isn't Lucy Keys. It's the mother looking for the daughter because she's upset that she's out there by herself. It, it's a, that was a real, real sad story. And that's yeah one of our first like seven episodes if you haven't heard that one it's it's a tra- it's a tragic story yeah there's something different when these ghost stories are like someone who's looking for a lost one guys i didn't spoil the show chat's freaking out right now i didn't what did i spoil? <laughs> the show the show's just okay go read the books the books are phenomenal all 600 <laughs> of them so good. I, every time I read one of those books, I'm like, it's done now. And then it just wasn't. Uhtred's like 165 years old, still fighting Viking battles. Anyways, that is a well, The author screwed up. He wrote too much in the first book and then was like, I need more. So he's no, he, getting he, older he, and older. He made him too old too fast. He's been an yeah. old man. Anyways, we got to move on. This has nothing to do with anything. But uh, there was one other story that I, I did want to touch on. Not verifying the captain's logs, but it is a story that's been told for a long time. And it is so ridiculous that I didn't include in the episode because I'm like, if I can't verify this one, I'm not going to say it, but they still say that they hear the screams of a ghost in the kitchen. And the backstory Mm. with this was some Australian guys that were on the ship got upset that the food wasn't too good. So they took the the chef and they stuffed him in an oven. Oh God. Yeah. And they burnt him alive. (laughs) Oh yeah. Maybe. They Maybe that like, chef must have been the size of Dave to fit in that oven. We file a complaint <laughs> with management first or something. <laughs> yeah, there's usually an escalation. It doesn't yeah, start with let's send review. Let's send, send an email. <laughs> stuff the guy in an oven. But I, it's um yeah, rough. We don't make the bit. rules. We, if you don't like if you don't like the food, that's just what's gonna happen I'm, from now on. I'm pretty sure there are rules against that. We don't have to make that rule. <laughs> that's called murder. But so that's a that's a story that's on the Queen Mary and the kitchen area. So I, I don't think that kitchen is there anymore. I think it's been replaced by like the concert hall or something like that. But that area where the kitchen was at that time, apparently you can hear the screams of this uh, this ghost of this chef or whatever. This boat is so huge. It's so hard to understand the layout of where things used to be. And they've refurbished and and rebuilt this thing so many times yeah. that it's it's really hard to get a grasp on where on the ship you are i mean i apparently i don't even know that apparently the propellers are not on the front of the ship you guys taught me today that's something new you know <laughs> i'm a scientist <laughs> something's wrong with our ship it only goes backwards <laughs> yeah. have any of you guys uh, uh been on this ship I have not. No, it no, is no, uh, so. We're all from Boston, so I've, get I've, we've seen it, David. I don't know if that was when you were out there with us, but we were in Long Beach, so we saw the ship, but we didn't go on it. But no, I have not been on the ship yet. I'm just curious what the what the what the atmosphere in this place feels like, because you know when you're in a a really active place, they say, and I've experienced it myself that you feel it. You feel like the air's thicker and it's heavier and. And there's just a different energy to it. So I'm, I'm just curious. I, 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 it's on my bucket list too, but I haven't been. And For to, sure. And to your we point, it, it might be different room to room, sure. right? Like you might go into certain rooms and feel like there's nothing there. And then you enter another room. When we went to the Oliver house, that one, I mean, there was some stuff going on in that whole house, mm-hmm. but there was a particular room that when I walked in, I was like, 
yep, don't want to be in this room. And I opened my dumb mouth and ended up getting stuck <laughs> in that room by myself. So that's um, how it happens. Uh, Jessica says very heavy in areas. Jessica, have you been on that ship before? Because I'd definitely be interested in hearing. Um, yeah, she uh, says so she roamed it to kill time when they were leaving for a cruise and just felt heaviness. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot of, so I watched all of the videos today that I could find on this and there's so much of it because so many people have been there and you can still book this place as far as I know. They closed down briefly for a little bit during the situation that happened a couple, you know, last year and the year before, but they are reopened now as far as I know. And you can still book room B340, which is supposed to be the most haunted room. And we talked about it briefly already, but people say as soon as they enter that room, it just, they just have a feeling of heaviness. They get dizzy, they get headaches, they get overwhelmed. And I do wonder, you know, as a, from the skeptical side, if they're just getting themselves worked up because they've been waiting to go to this haunted B340 room and maybe they're just getting in their own heads, but it's hard to deny how much paranormal activity has been recorded there. Uh, Jessica says, we spent the night there years ago when I was seven because my dad was working on the Batman movie close by. Oh, cool. I'm more yeah. interested in the second story. <laughs> yeah, I need to know more about this at some point, Jessica. You send us an email, please. Mm. As, a, as a Batman aficionado over here, I need to know about that process. But yeah, this is also on our bucket list. Well, I'm not going to speak for Jesse and Dave, but I, it is a ship. I've had my fair share fair my fair share of ships that is a tongue twister lately <laughs> but this is one that i would like to go and spend some time on personally yeah i mean the fact that it's like a pretty luxurious and, and nice looking active hotel that definitely yeah. bumps it up on the list for me where it's like all right at least you could do that but then you have to deal with are you going on a night where there's a lot of noise contamination when you're already in a place that has a ton of noise contamination anyways yeah yeah it's tricky to to figure out what would be just the sound of your neighbors in a hotel. I mean, hotel investigations are so difficult anyways. Every noise is somebody else. You're surrounded by people the whole time. So yeah. that's tricky as it is. And then when you're on a boat, that's literally on water. So it's moving constantly. There's creaking, there's engine noises, there's banging anyways. It's just a loud place to be in. It's going to be hard. I mean, we, when we did the USS Salem, obviously that's the most recent one that we've done a few times. It's just the, the whole thing is just noises. Noises everywhere. It's 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 got to be hard to figure out what you're getting and what you're not. So, pretty much rule out most, if not all, bangs and knocks, and just try to focus on trying to capture voices or connections with spirit boxes or mm -hmm. EMF spikes or whatever. It's tricky. I think you'd mm -hmm. almost want to like set up more than one night because I, I think anytime you go into a new space, there's. I mean, I've lived in old houses a lot and. And I'm telling you, they got a lot of they got a lot of character in it, and it's nothing paranormal. It's just that they make sounds. There's just yeah. odd things, and, and and maybe new houses too, as they're settling or whatever. But only the people that are there for a period of time understand. Oh, that's the normal noise. Oh, there's the furnace. Oh, that's that window rattling or something. Like you, you get to be able to identify those noises. But just going cold, and and it's also one of my uh, one of my. I don't know, maybe not a pet peeve, but one of my one of my thoughts regarding a lot of paranormal investigating is going in for a night. Are, are you familiar enough with the with the surroundings to be able to, you know, discern what are the natural noises versus what are not? And, and yeah, if you have multiple nights, you can rule out like if you know, for instance, the mini fridge that's right next to me, it just it'll click and shut off like every 30 minutes. So you get a click. Bzzz, 
if I didn't know that and I walked into here and all of a sudden I heard that noise, I'd be like, oh man, I just got to click. And God forbid I asked a question, like, is there anyone in here with me? And then the fridge just clicks off. I'd be like, oh my God, that's, that could be something. But if yeah. you come here a few nights or if you're, you know, you come over and ask me about it, I'm going to let you know, no, that happens every 30 minutes. That is absolutely nothing paranormal. And yeah. it's the same thing if you're on a haunted ship like this and there's like a heating system that clicks on once an hour or something, you're absolutely right. It's just, this is the scientific approach is doing something over and over and over again. And either you can rule it out or if it's, you know, or you can rule that it might be something paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is the multiple nights thing, just because a place is overly haunted doesn't mean it's going to be haunted every single night. That's what other people forget about is you're not going to walk into a place and get something every single time. We've been there. We've, we've had that situation happen to us as well. It does, and we're not going to sit there and be like, well, this place isn't haunted. We got nothing because <laughs> they, maybe in, maybe it takes. The, the house I lived in that was extremely haunted would go a week or two sometimes before anything else ever happened. And there was a ton of stuff that happened in that house. But there it doesn't of- mean that it happened every night. So we talked about – I do want to go a little bit more into B340 because there's been so much here. So I mentioned the Sam and Colby episode. I mean, these guys, they're huge on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever watched Sam and Colby. Younger kids, they go out and they investigate places. They investigate in sort of an amateur style, and that's coming from an amateur. I'm like, wow, these guys are like us. Like, we're just kind of like winging it. They got nothing on their first visit, like almost the entire time. And they they were there, and they basically were like, let's just wrap it up to a point where they cut the cameras and everything. But then they started, uh, the faucet turned on in the bathroom, and they all started freaking out or whatever. One of them had the mind to at least roll a a voice recorder. So they actually released the entire unedited footage, which I respect, on a separate video. And they released this entire EVP session of them having a conversation with what they later thought might have been a demon. Now, that wasn't like voices going back and forth, but it was responding intelligently with knocks. Mm. It's really interesting. So if you got 40-something minutes to kill Go check out that. They, they have the unedited version. So wear headphones and turn it up and listen to what they're getting. Because the knocks, it, if it wasn't someone faking it in the room, I mean, they shut off all the lights. So if it wasn't one of these guys being an asshole and just thumping on the floor to respond to the questions, it was like serious evidence of actual communication with something in the room. And the, the questions that they act were good. It was really interesting. So that was one of the things that I, I went through and listened to the whole thing. And I was like, if, if this is legit, it's actually pretty cool. I saw that on multiple investigations too, where there were knockbacks, like almost in a pattern like thing. So again, something that could, you know, be kind of done if they wanted to do it, but if it was correct, then good, good evidence. Exactly. And if this is true, it couldn't have just been one guy messing with them in the room, according to all the witnesses. Again, they're all on the same YouTube channel. So who knows, but Take them at their word. They're saying that the knocks were coming from different places in the room. So it couldn't have been just one guy thumping his foot on the floor. They were saying it was coming from the ceiling. Then it would come from the wall. Then it would come from the bathroom. And whenever it was a one knock, which was a yes, it would like slam on the floor to a point where they said that the room was almost like shaking. It was so vivid. So mm-hmm. kind of cool. You could check it out. If you believe it, you believe it. If you don't, you don't. But they come off as relatively authentic when they actually get something. Because a lot of their videos, there's just nothing going on for most of the episodes. So. But that's that legit. I mean, the paranormal is I, I, a phrase that I came up with, and I, I think it's pretty accurate, but I think it's like the, to, to document the paranormal is like trying to catch a lightning in a bottle. I mean, I lived in a house that was very active, but only sometimes of the year. 
it was certain certain seasons I had things really popping off and otherwise it would just be one or, you know, event a week or, or something. It was just really subdued. And so, yeah, you don't know when that stuff's going to happen. It just happens in its own time when it wants to, I guess. People expect to walk into a haunted location, especially places like the Conjuring House or probably the Queen Mary and expect things just to be going crazy right away. Right. Oh, this was the story. First time we're at the Hawthorne, we're shooting footage and we're like, oh, we got to go up to the haunted room. We had requested like the haunted room. It was like room like 312 or something like that. I don't remember the actual number, but when we finally were like, well, let's at least make a trip up there. We're all just trashed in the middle of the night. And so we get on the elevator, we go up there, but someone's staying in the room. There's a do not disturb thing on the door. So we just go outside the room and just wave an EMF detector in front of it. And we're like, nah, not haunted. Okay, let's go. And that, that was the extent of it. But this is Debunked. what like, yeah, this is like the mind frame that people are at. It's like if they don't go in and something doesn't happen right away, they're like, oh, this is bullshit. It's not haunted. It's like, well, right. maybe you came in at a bad time. Yeah, I think that that be a bad day. The current, the current, uh, you know, influx of of paranormal shows have maybe given people that that expectation because you turn it on, you sit for an hour, and you've seen you know fifteen, twenty, thirty things go on, and it, you don't know the 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 work that went into that or how long it took to get any of that stuff or you know even if it's legitimate, sometimes you you have to of course question that, but yeah, uh, I think that. You know, we have this reality TV kind of mindset, I think, a lot of times. And we're used to turning on, you know, the, the show and then the stuff happens and then we turn it off. And it was this entertaining moments. Uh, so but a, a friend of mine has a has a paranormal group and and he named it Red Eyes and Dead Batteries, because I think that's that's most of it is you just that's, sit there and you're draining batteries. That's really it. And it's not a, the phenomenon of electronics malfunctioning and draining mm. is insanely true. And that by, might be the most consistent thing that happens in all of our investigations to a point where it's like, if we're editing an episode or coming up with something, it's like, I almost feel like we're being cheap by even mentioning it, but it happens all the time, like fully charged batteries that uh, from a video camera that I could sit here and mount up here to record a video on. And it's going to work for a full hour of me blabbering into the, into the camera no problem. But the second I take it to a haunted location, the thing's dead in two minutes. It's mm. like, it just doesn't add up in fresh AA batteries, everything like these things get drained all the time in haunted locations. So it, it it's, it sucks to be repetitive because you feel like you're, you know, <laughs> being cheap here, but it's a, it's well, a no. real thing that happens. Well, that's how scientists prove things. It's how scientists prove right. the repetition. If you get the yeah. same thing, repeating over and over the same results over and over, that's your scientific evidence, evidence right. for something being legitimate. The one that cooked my bacon is when people people are doing their cameras and like, oh, my God, my camera is going dead. It's only got one bar and then it goes dead. And they leave the room and they power back on and it's full. So oh, something weird. was happening, I don't know, in the EM frequency or whatever that was disrupting that battery's ability to do what batteries do, I guess. But mm -hmm. when they left the room or left that location, they were at full battery again. Yeah, so. that happened with us at um, Emily's Bridge. We mentioned this wow. at, at nauseum on this show, but okay. we had the GoPro. And I'm sitting in the truck, which by the way, okay, so we're in Vermont. It's winter. It's absolutely freezing outside. But I'm in the warm truck. The camera never left the warm truck. So if you take another freezing cold, maybe things are going to start messing up. Some equipment anyways. 
but I have the camera and it just refuses to turn on. So we were unable to get any, this is a night vision GoPro. So we were unable to get any night vision footage on this bridge because this thing just wouldn't turn on when we got to that bridge. And I'm like, whatever. Okay. Let's just roll on cell phone footage and use some UV lights or whatever. And we got what we need to get on that, on that bridge, but it just didn't work. The second we get back to the hotel thing fires right up. No problem. And it's like, well, what was the issue? Cause it wasn't a temperature change. It wasn't a battery issue. This thing just, once we got there, it refused to work. I didn't have an answer for it. Yeah. That really cooks your bacon, doesn't it? My bacon is officially cooked <laughs> at this moment. Anything else you guys want to touch on, on uh, the Queen Mary? No, I, I think we kind of hit the majority of the stuff I want to hit on. The, the that we want to hit on. Yes. The majority of hauntings. No, there's so many, so they, many. Well, you would never be able to get it all in one no. episode, right? I would. So I think the only way to do the Queen Mary, and I say this about everything is we'd actually have to do an investigation episode at the Queen Mary. I'm not saying that is, or isn't going to happen. But to do a part two of the Queen Mary would have to be an investigation episode. Or I can tell you how the engine works. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, I think I'd rather investigate. Um, (laughs) But but I'm telling you what, maybe it'd be a good paranormal portal, uh, uh, small town ghost stories crossover episode. Boom. We could could probably make that. So uh, so a, a few people in chat know you and know about your show. Tell us about your show. All right, so my show is called The Paranormal Portal, as you can see. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been doing it since about 2016, and uh, uh, it is a, a, a podcast, but it's also a YouTube channel. And, and those are actually two different shows the way I do it. I do my YouTube show more like uh, a variety show covering lots of different topics, news stories, articles, talking about phenomena, and, and just having a light, you know, good time with it. But the podcast which is available on all the major platforms is uh, dealing mostly with either uh, um, people in the field that are researching, uh, talking about what they're doing and what they've seen and, and uh, uh, some celebrities. But uh, a lot of times it's just everyday people that have had experiences that reach out to me and come on and tell their stories. So uh, it's a, a lot of fun. It's, it's really, it took me a long time in my life to figure out what I wanted to do, but now I know. Now I know. I'm like in the fourth quarter here. It's like, oh, I know what I want to do finally. <laughs> it's awesome. a, it's actually a really good show. You're you're a great host and interviewer, and really drive the discussion well with a lot of your guests. So if you're looking for more paranormal stuff that really like dives into multiple avenues of the paranormal, it is it's a great show to check out. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. But I, I just love doing it. And it's, it's been, it's incredible. You know, the funny thing was, is before when I finally dialed it in that, Hey, I want to do a show. I was like, yeah, I can do this. I know about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was all, I was all cocky about it and stuff. And then I started doing it. And once you start digging and and listening to people and hearing their experiences and, and all of the different material out there, you're like, I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. I, I mean, you learned I've learned so much doing the show. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining our band of idiots today. We also- yeah. We're keen dude spirits, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it was it's just been this ongoing education. But the reason that I was really gung ho about starting is because I've had a ton of different experiences myself, and mm-hmm. uh, that was it's just been like a quest because I really. I really would like to be able to understand at least something of what, what is going on here because 
I really do think this stuff is important. Like a lot of people dismiss this stuff and go, well, that's just a glitch in the matrix kind of thing. You know, it's like, well, that's where, that's where reality went sideways and it's, and it's discarded, you know, and, and I suppose maybe that's because people really want to protect their paradigm. That's people's security. But I think this stuff is really, and I mentioned it earlier, but I think it's the breadcrumbs. I think it's teaching us that this reality we're in is very fluid, very dynamic, and and there's so much more to discover and learn. So, yeah, and I think I think there are people that are more open to that stuff than others. And as we've done the show and gone to locations, I think I've learned that I'm a little more open to it than than I thought I was. So that's it's a it's a whole interesting dynamic with that too. Well, when you guys yeah, come on my show, we're going to talk about your experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, our, Absolutely. Our audience has heard enough of that shit. So, <laughs> like, oh, God, this fucking story again. I'm like, I'm sorry that I'm going to say this. <laughs> went to Emily's Bridge once. <laughs> Call Pro Stop Working. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, though, uh, and it's cool that you touch on people's stories that people haven't heard about. When we originally started the show, that was going to be the whole show. And then we're like, well, how do we reach out to all these people if we don't have an audience yet? So then we started covering big topics and then we're like, what, this is awesome. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and we built a crowd and now we do a little bit of a mix of both. Actually, Dave, do you have a ghost story? Cause we had one that we wanted to read up, but we forgot to do that. So we'll do that real quick as well. Brent, you're welcome to stick around and sure. analyze this. I've never before heard ghost story before from a listener. Yes. So this one was sent in via email from, my dog wants to have a nightmare now on the couch <laughs> next to me. <laughs> Sent in by Trevor McGuire. So this took, took place in autumn 2019 in Blackwood, New Jersey. Trevor says, my wife Caitlin and I, along with two friends of ours, decided to go into Philadelphia to experience the terror behind the walls at Eastern State Penitentiary. Mm. After a night of fun, we returned to her house while our friends made their way home. As I sat in the upstairs guest bedroom, working on a video I had made of our night at Eastern State, the light in the room flickered and went out. I thought the light shorted out, so I flicked the switch on and off, and the light came back on. I knew something was up. A few minutes later, I had finished making the edits on the video and went to bed. Just a few minutes after I laid down, I heard heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. I thought it was Caitlin coming up to check on me or use the bathroom. I didn't think much of it and fell asleep. The following morning, I told her about the light. She didn't know what to make of that. I then asked her, was that you coming up to check on me last night? She replied, no, I was fast asleep in the den. The revelation sent chills up my spine. I couldn't believe what had happened to me. I've experienced other things before, but disembodied footsteps and flickering light just adds to my growing list of experiences. According to Caitlin, when her father was alive, he would come home from work every night around 11, kick off his boots at the foot of the stairs, and bound up the steps to take a shower. That would explain the heavy footsteps, which I now experienced. As for the flickering light, I told her, was a first for her. Maybe it was her father telling me, hey, lights off, go to bed. I think it's best when that happens, just to do as you're told, even if it's orders from beyond the grave. Another night, we were eating dinner and sitting on the couch watching a Harry Potter movie. Suddenly, we both heard the heavy footsteps. We looked at the clock, and she says, this is the earliest I've ever heard them. This was another first for both of us. I decided quickly to pull a trick out of Ghost Hunters and said, Mr. Zielman, just put me at ease. May I ask for you to knock three times? I knocked three times on the coffee table. 
A moment later or so, both of us heard three faint knocks from the entrance hall. Both of us were taken aback at this interaction. This was just another first for me. Caitlin smiled and chuckled as she knew it was just her father checking in on us. A kindred spirit of my father-in-law greeting me as if he were alive just a decade ago. That's wild. Well, the juxtaposition is funny, right? Because he's actually terrified and his wife is just like, well, that's just that. Which... I will say this as a little piece of advice, though. If you're going to ask him to knock any number but three. I know. I was, know. Thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, bold move going with the three knocks. We've seen enough, seen enough of this. I do want to touch on Chris's comment. Chris from uh, Haunted American History chimes in. He says, I'm visiting a haunted local spot tomorrow. Nice Ooh. knowing you all. <laughs> Damn, we want to know more about that, but... It's probably for your show. Well, so what we know that about a, Chris is that he secret. doesn't usually visit the haunted locations because he's scared of them. Yes, yes. he's been on the show before and he mentioned that. So uh chat seems to love that story. That's that's a that's a cool one. We've had a few of them that are like good, you know, kind ghost stories, or at least that's what they seem like on the surface. So mm. that is uh that's pretty cool. Thank you for that. Uh, let's thank our patrons real quick for our VIPs. We have Allison V, Garrett, Jeannie R, Justin T, Justin T again, Lisa J, Mallory K, Mike Oubliet, Blake, Mom and Pops W, Robert H, Stephen V, Demon King, and Irish Assassin Gaming. Thank you to the VIPs. We also have Amby Rose, Anna C, Donnie N, Lily, IDJF Batch, Jake V, Janice G, Matthew T, Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Sarah Cook, we have Stephanie A, Sydney B, Al Capone, Anthony T, Ashley M, Brandon W, Brennan B, Catherine McSlugs, Cody G, Eric J, S, Huggy Bear, Joe R, Kiralee J, Mark M, Mariah M, Paul from St. Louis, Sarah R, Scotty L, Solar Flare, Soph, and Hooper. I need to let my dog outside. She's freaking out. I'll be right back. Yeah, so <laughs> there's one Brent- thing about this, this ghost story that was sent in that I wanted to comment on and I forgot. But uh, Trevor, mm-hmm. as you were editing that, video for eastern state penitentiary if it came out any good you'll have to shoot us an email and see if you want to uh engage in an unpaid internship (laughs) (laughs) please we're begging you (laughs) um uh that's gonna kind of do it for me do we have brent do you have any closing thoughts well, I just want to thank you guys for letting me be here and being a part of the discussion. I, I've loved getting to know you guys and, and to have this opportunity to be on your show. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll, well, I, I would love for you guys to return the favor and come on the portal sometime. If you're, if you're game. Absolutely. We're in. We are We're in. in. Perfect. We're so that's, that's uh Brent Thomas from the paranormal portal. You can follow his page, subscribe to him on YouTube, check out his videos, podcast. I'm assuming it's available everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, uh, all the major platforms, and uh, cool. it, it one the uh, I have a homepage, just paranormalportal.net, and it kind of is the launching point from all the different things, social media, YouTube, and uh, the podcast. So, awesome. Well, the YouTube link is already in the show notes, so go check that out, and then I'll pop his website in there as well. You go check him out. Anything else, gentlemen? Next week, where are we going? Uh, we're going to Alabama next week. Bama. Yeah, we haven't done Alabama yet. And there is a story from Alabama that I find terrifying. So we're going to probably be covering that next Tuesday, unless I pivot and decide to do something else, which has been known to happen in the past. Sometimes it happens. Hey, I finally settled on, finally settled on my location this morning. So, you know, we knocked it out. (laughs) Friday, we're going to go, hopefully if all things work out, we're going to go see the new Evil Dead movie. We'll drop a review on that probably the same night. That's what we're going to aim for. So 
if you also want to go see the Evil Dead movie, then listen to the review. Cool. If not, go check it out. It should be a good one. It looks exciting. I'm excited about Evil Dead. You're excited about Evil Dead? 96% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Ooh, yeah. I mean, the Evil Dead movies are are creepy. I'm not a big zombie guy, but man, those those are hair razors. So yeah, I'd love to check it out. Yes, one of, one of my favorite franchises of all time. But yeah, that's going to kind of do it for us. Buy some merch, people, by the way. We have hats, we have shirts, and uh, you should buy some of the merch. I will say this, Brent. You've earned the approval from our father. Brodad Wilkins Aww. says Pops approves of Brent. Nice guy. Look at that. Aww. Thank Perfect. you. I appreciate it. Perfect. Well, we thank you guys all for hanging out. We will uh, be back on Friday for a movie review. And then Tuesday, we'll go to Bama, probably. Anyways, drop a sub on the YouTube. Join Discord. Do it. And thank you to all our patrons. We'll see you guys next time.